And so, you know, again, I got a lot of information fast from him and from those conversations. Now, by that Saturday, I had done enough reading. It was tracking enough data, not through, say, major news outlets, going directly to medical websites, looking at World Health Organization, things like that. Um, It was that Saturday that I began predicting full closure for the rest of the school year. I I just thought, looking at what I'm seeing, looking at the numbers and the the rate of increase, the rate of infection, I thought there's no way we're going to open again. Um, I actually... I think I posted a tweet either that day or maybe that Sunday, the 15th, um, to that effect, saying that what schools really needed to do is if they thought they were going to close, you should essentially go ahead and close down. Because as long as teachers think it's just a week or it's just two weeks, everybody bides their time. Everybody treads water. They make short-term plans, you know, sort of gap-stop measures or stop-gap measures. And um, just thinking, how, you know, how do I survive until we get back in the classroom and get back to work? which is a perfectly reasonable response. It's more or less what I was thinking at first as well. But if you know you're not going back to your classroom for the rest of the year, it means that you have a day or two of shock and confusion, and then you almost immediately get to work on what can we do next, right? How am I going to do this? How am I going to support students? How are we going to deliver content or skills, provide personal, emotional support, whatever it may be? I mean, there's a million things we have to think about. But as long as teachers are under the impression that they're going to go back at some point soon, they're not going to make those long-term plans, which means that pretty much all that time in between is going to be wasted anyway in most circumstances, unless it's a school that already has a great learning management system, they've been using it for a while, everyone's comfortable. In those, in those cases, those schools maybe could continue on without really missing a beat, but that's a, that's a minority of school divisions in the country. Most places came to a pretty much a screeching halt as they tried to figure out how they were going to adapt and what they were going to do. And as long as, you know, county and division administrators and super superintendents kept communicating that we're, we're closed for two weeks, you know, and then they extend it for two more weeks. I understand why they do it. And, and I understand that politically that's a safe thing to do and, and you're waiting for better information. But I still, within two days, got the information to say, you know what, we're probably not going back. And I really wish that more states and more maybe even counties and divisions would have made the long-term announcement sooner. We're still waiting on many states to say we're not going back this year. And I think the reality is no one's going back this year, right? It's just the numbers are going up, not down. This is going to get worse before it gets better. But there are still teachers in a lot of parts of the country who are, are just treading water, who are just trying to figure out, well, what do we do until we go back? And the reality is, you know, that's probably not going to happen. So if you think of it this way, if you plan for a long-term closure, you have things ready. You can begin to make progress. You can actually teach your students, right? And if, if I'm wrong and you do go back to school after your spring break or sometime in early May, well, cool. You still have all your old stuff you can fall back on. You still have that stuff, right? But if you're constantly thinking about two weeks, two weeks, two weeks, you're probably not creating the best materials, the best plans. You're not really making the best use of that time or those resources because you're thinking of it as something to just fill in, right? And so for any of the states uh, that are still planning on going back at some point, I would I would suggest that those people take a, a good look at, at the data, look at what the CDC says, look at the World Health Organization um, go in and look at some of the, the tables and the data charts that indicate the rate of infection and mortality rates, et cetera, both for the United States and around the world, and maybe even state by state. I, it's almost impossible to see those, see those situations, to see that information and to think that we're heading back to school in person within the next couple of months. Okay. I think everyone, students, parents, teachers, everyone will be better off if we can just know how that we're in this for the long run. Okay. It was around that point that I really thought, you know, 
say somewhere around the 15th, 16th, 17th, that was when I decided I really should record a podcast. I should really say something. I have this platform. Um, I do this because I like to talk about education. I want to share ideas. And I I just thought this was a prime opportunity. The problem was every time I sat down, um, I either had a change of heart and I decided that I wanted to say something more critical or I wanted to say something more empathetic or, or I'd sit down and my kids who are now home from daycare, they're running around screaming. And so there was, there's a dozen different things that stopped me. And, And now to be honest, I'm, I'm glad because my information locally in the in the school division I work in continued to change. It's still changing. I think that's true in most places. I think the state level information continued to change, continued to adapt. And so it, I'm glad I didn't say anything in those first few days, not because I would have said anything necessarily too harsh or wrong. I just, I don't know that it would have been productive. To be honest, I'm not sure that what I'm saying now will be, but here's some of the things that had me concerned. 